Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Hello there. Thank you again for joining us. We know this is a busy time of year as we all begin ready to celebrate Christmas in one way or another. And today that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about the Christmas story. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and title this podcast called A Family Who Acted Holy. A Family Who Acted Holy. You know, in our society today, certainly here within the Western world, unwed women who conceive a child out of wedlock, it's not really frowned upon any longer. I know at one time, uh, years ago, even in my lifetime, uh, this was kind of frowned upon. Um, in my mother's day, it was horribly looked down on. It was just something that women just simply did not do. And teenage girls especially did not do that. And so I want you to open a Bible and follow along. I, I know I say that every podcast, but I'm serious about it. I think it's so important that you see and read and follow along yourself that I'm actually using the Bible and that I'm properly uh, using it. So open it up and follow along. We're going to be uh, in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to mark your Bible there, and then turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Again, women who got pregnant out of wedlock... And even in my day and time, as I've already said, uh, they were shamed. They were looked down upon. Uh, you know, I understand things happen. People do things they're not supposed to do and so on. And so I'm, this is not about condemning women who have been uh, conceived children out of wedlock. Absolutely not the point of this podcast. So if you're one of the ladies that were sent away, forced into a marriage, yeah, perhaps you really look back and wish you were not engaged in. Uh, I feel for you. I, I've helped counsel that over the years. And please understand, this is not an attack. My point of leading us to this is, this would be the very same truth in the days of, of Joseph and Mary. Traditionally, conceiving a child in the days of Joseph and Mary uh could result in stoning by death. And so the Jewish community, the Jewish faith at the time, I would assume that it's still that way today. It should be. Uh, that's a no-no, even in Christian circles. But even in congregations I've been around, it's been accepted. Nobody thinks anything about it. And I think this is sad because we're not teaching the truth of what God really wants about us having children within uh, the confoundries of, of marriage and within the uh, institution of marriage. And so even a man uh, could have been in trouble with this under Jewish law. But here in Deuteronomy 22, verse 21, Then they shall bring out the girl to the doorway of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death because she has committed an act of folly in Israel by playing the harlot 
in her father's house. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. Okay, so, you know, again, there's a lot of movement going on in the country, and it has been going on for some time. It kind of comes and goes a little bit, but it never really completely goes away. And, and that is Christianity needs to go to a Jewish, more faith base, and we need to be following the law of Moses and live under that. And honestly, you can't live under both covenants at the same time. It just You just can't do it. Uh, you can try. You can call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, it's called syncretism, and that's the blending of several religions to make your own, which means you're the god of that religion can't do that. But here again, the Bible uses this Greek wording meaning uh, pledge to be married that we're going to talk about here to describe Mary and Joseph's relationship in the time that would be leading up to the birth of Jesus. In other words, Mary uh, is pregnant with, with Jesus. And there's something between uh, an engaged and, and married, similar to this word, uh, betrothed, uh, that some versions do use. And this simply just means that Mary has passed along to Joseph's rule from her father's house under her husband's house or rules. But the thing is here, in this culture and day and time, they have not yet been allowed to, to have a sexual relationship. That part of the marriage has not happened yet. It's, it's a stepping stage. And, and perhaps today we might call it in our culture an engagement. You're engaged to him or her. Uh, he's out trying to find a job. He's out trying to find a home, build a house, whatever. Getting ready to bring his bride into uh, the bridal chamber, into his home to make him his wife. And so that's kind of what engagement might apply to here in this situation. Uh, I think it's good for young men, especially, uh, to keep the, the girl that they want to marry pure uh, that, uh, before God and in their marriage and vice versa. She should want that as well. And set up and establish where you're going to go to church, where, uh, how you're going to raise your children, that you're always going to be a Christian-based home, and so on. And how are you going to do that? Get some premarital counseling. That's a little off the subject, but again, if you notice here, as we get to reading this here in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph's going to know that she, Mary, is pregnant. And he knows there's no way he's the father. And how does he know that? Because they have not had any intimate contact. So, whether he's a father or not, he knows that she's pregnant and he could have exposed her. He could have had her executed, stoned to death, however you want to word it. But notice here as we go through this, Joseph doesn't really want to shame Mary. Uh, and being you know, implicated in this pre-married type pregnancy. And before they're even really husband and wife, there's a problem. And Joseph's trying to figure out, I think, as you go through this text with me, trying to find a biblical, godly answer to this. Uh, how would God really want me to do it? Oh, he has every right to have her stoned. 
But that's not really what he wants to do. And so, again, at this point, Joseph has not come around to accepting his role as the father of Jesus. And it's really understandable why he would have felt this way. I certainly would not have wanted to try to raise a child necessarily that was not mine unless I was willing to do that. And Joseph doesn't seem to uh, want to expose Mary to a public disgrace, which tells me something about him. Uh, It's a nice way of saying he really doesn't want Mary uh, murdered by a bunch of rocks. And so maybe not the high bar to, to, to clear our eyes with still, uh, in our culture today, we we just kind of let it go. Um, you know, abortion seems to be an option, which is very sad. There's so many people that would love to adopt. So before Joseph could leave Mary, however, uh, the Bible will say this. And I'm going to begin reading here in just a moment. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. So if you have a Bible, turn with me there and we'll read it here. In just a moment. Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world in poverty-stricken nations are not financially able to support our podcast, if you are able, we would be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website, biblicalquestion.com. Would you be in a prayful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? Thank you for cheerfully helping us tell a worldwide audience about the Word of God. Okay, so Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start around here, verse 20. And here's the angel uh, talking to Joseph, says, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Notice, take her home. He's, she's not really officially all the way there yet, okay? The angel goes on to say, Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Again, this occurs uh, as a prophecy. It's foretold with this intercession to, with Mary in the visit from uh, Gabriel. It's reaccounted here. Uh, let's read that real quick. It, it's very similar. Luke chapter 1, and starting in verse 26, it says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Okay, so we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 1 here in just a moment. Just to be clear here about the premarital uh, sex issue as we continue to read our passage in the Bible. Sometimes people say it's interesting about Joseph and Mary and how they really handle things and how they have to go and be counted in this census. And it's kind of a neat romantic story. We'll get more into this idea here in a moment. But originally when the King James came out and they wrote it, it, it's not necessarily Greek-centered or oriented. And I'll explain that a little better here in just a moment. So please hang on and continue to follow along. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 22. 
So now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And here's the quote from the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated means God with us. So, in other words, God became a man. He became a human being. And I was in a conversation recently on the phone with, with a young man, and I tried to tell him that this is a very deep subject to try to figure out how did God become a man? How can he be both God and man at the same time? But let's move on. We'll, we'll talk about that perhaps in another podcast. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Okay, so they, they continue this marriage tradition. And notice here in verse 25, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so again, notice here that in the end, it seems God really did a good job at choosing the right married couple to act as stewards or stamp parents, however you want to word it, with his earthly incarnation. This is a family who truly acted holy. From the, They were raised, obviously, to hold God's word in their hearts, to serve God, and to follow what they had been instructed. And this is why they take seriously uh, their marriage vows. I want to stress here as well, we have very little on Joseph, Mary's husband. Uh, again, I, I really truly believe he is a godly man who was in love with a godly woman who raised other children. And James being one of them, we have a letter from him in, in the Bible toward the end of your New Testament. That Jesus, you know, early on in the ministry in Mark chapter 3 verse 20 they, they kind of, we might say, oh, that a boy, he's been in the sun too long. He's gone crazy. And James will be part of that group along with some of his other brothers and sisters. And it seems that his mother is there, Mary, um, as well. And not sure she's really completely think he's totally crazy, been in the sun too long. But his brothers and sisters are very worried or concerned. And I think that's why Mary's there more than anything, but but by the Jerusalem conference here in Acts chapter 15 and verse 13 and following, you can read about James. It's the same guy. It's, it's Jesus' half-brother, and he seems to be on board that Jesus really is the Messiah. He was God in the flesh, and he is totally convinced by this time. And you're probably talking, I'm guessing top of my head, 30 years or so down the road. And so, uh, at least 15 between uh, Paul's or Saul's conversion to the Jerusalem conference. And I get that out of Galatians chapter 1, if you want to know how I got that math. So, but back to Joseph and Mary and their early days together. I know most movies on TV at this time of the year, they portray this event in a little bit of context that Joseph... Uh, really doesn't come into town until the last moment. They've traveled this 80 miles from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. Uh, Mary's water's about to break. 
Um, she's very, very pregnant. She's in labor. And, you know, I, I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's what the Bible really indicates. Was she pregnant? Yes. But I see Joseph, a much more godly man, and caring about his wife, who is nine months pregnant, into her term. And dragging her 80 miles cross-country, showing up at the last moment, looking again for a motel room for Mary to give birth in. First of all, I seriously doubt there was such a place in a tiny little village such as Bethlehem at this time in, in history. I know Bethlehem's a big town today, but in the time of Jesus, it was not uh, that big of a town. We might call it a, a, two, a two-horse town or something along that line in, in our day and time. It just there wasn't much of a town there. It had been more of a center point where people met uh, and that kind of thing. Not saying that people didn't live in Bethlehem. I'm sure they did. Second of all, the culture of the Jewish people in the days that we're talking about here, this would probably honestly not have happened either. And I'm going to tell you why. This is Joseph's hometown. Uh, He's from the bloodline of David. And you can see this throughout the Old Testament where people invited strangers into their home of the Jewish faith. They didn't know each other so that they didn't have to stay outside in the town square. You can see that an example in the book of Judges, I think, there. But being Joseph's hometown, he would have had family there as well. And so I, I want us to keep this in mind as we read here Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And I'm going to be reading this version out of the NIV. Uh, again, that's Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, in just a moment. Would you like to make a bold witness for Jesus and Christianity, even when you're not even saying a word? You can both witness and inspire others in fashionable and affordable ways. You'll find the right wearables for men, women, and teens, fashionable and high quality. Our excellent Christian hoodies, Christian sweatshirts, and Christian shirts make perfect Christian gifts for any religious person in your life who would like nothing more than to express their faith through fashion and style. Check out our webpage for more information. Okay, starting here in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house line of David. Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary. That's not a motel that he's registering with, folks. He's registering for the census, okay? Who pledged to be his... Uh, married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no uh, room in the guest room available for them. So, I read the NIV for several reasons. And we're going to go into that here in just a moment. This idea uh, that they were a, a newlywed couple already in Bethlehem. Yes, all the versions that you can find would, would agree on that. It appears that Joseph was born in a barn in those days. We need to understand this. The barn was connected to the house. Okay, Not like today, down around the corner or whatever that we have. 
Notice here this wording again, guest room. I think this is a much better translation of the original Greek and the wording here. Again, Joseph being a godly husband, a godly man, I did not force Mary into his hometown at the last moment, waiting for her water to break while searching for some place in the middle of the night for her to give birth. I just don't see that happening. Okay? And so... Yes, Jesus was born uh, in a stable. They they placed him in uh, the manger where animals eat out of, where there's fresh straw to keep the baby warm and so on. But Joseph and Mary are already there. You know, notice that in verse 6, while they were there, they're already there for the time for the baby to be born. Exactly what verse 6 says. Okay, so again, this last minute idea, uh, I just struggle with. And then notice here in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Here we are eight days later, after the birth of Jesus, you find them in the temple. (laughs) Okay, so here's Mary, a little over a week later down the road. And, and, you know, anybody who's been around a woman had a child eight days later. There's still a lot of struggles that could be going on here. But they make this trip about six miles down the road from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem, uh, or nine kilometers for those who are listening outside the U.S. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and 22 says, And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, that would be Jesus' circumcision, His name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Okay, so before Jesus was uh, conceived, Mary and Joseph already knew the name they were going to give. They were told. Verse 22, And when the days for their purification, uh, they were there according to the law of Moses, they're complete. And they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so, again, here is Joseph and Mary, very young couple, a new child has been placed in them, a huge responsibility of raising Jesus has already begun, and they begin it with following the law of Moses, dedicating this child to the Lord. And I think it's important that we do that today. And some people say, well, you're not supposed to baptize children. I'm not talking about baptizing or sprinkling a baby. I'm talking about getting together with other Christian people and having a prayer uh, over the child, over the married couple, to help them dedicate their child to God and encourage them to be godly parents. The last mention of Joseph, Mary's husband, uh, was during a temple visit in Jerusalem 12 years later. Jesus is going to be 12 years old. And toward the end of their visit, Joseph and Mary got separated somehow from Jesus. And this will be causing great troubles, uh, very much anxiety. If you're a parent, can't find your child, uh, no matter how old that child might be, uh, there's some anxiety there. And somebody said, well, how can you lose a child uh, this way? Well, you have to understand, again, the culture of the day. They moved in large groups. 
Uh, they lived in Nazareth, and they're in Jerusalem for a feast to make uh, sacrifices and offerings as required, again, by the law of Moses. Again, they're teaching their children uh, that they're supposed to take care of what God has asked them to do. And so, here we are. Three days later, they finally find Jesus. And they find him having this conversation. Uh, and actually, I think, could be in a very deep uh, theological, religious-type conversation with the temple leaders. Notice here in Luke 2, verses 48 and 49. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? And he said to them, that would be Jesus, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? Okay, so Mary treasures up a lot of this in her heart. The Bible's very clear about this. You know, obviously she knows, and Joseph knows too, how this child did not come into the world in the most normal, natural ways that you and I know. That Jesus was conceived without any intercession of a man. And so Mary and Joseph had to just ponder a lot of this. And I, the Bible doesn't say, I'm just guessing here. And you can say, I'm full of beans and that's fine. Uh, I'm sure they had a lot of discussions at night when the kids were asleep about all of this or while they were at school or whatever. And again, the silence of the scriptures, I think, concerning Joseph uh, from this time forward at age 12 with Jesus, it suggests that he really doesn't live uh, to see the opening day of Christ, his son's ministry. Uh, and there could be lots of reasons why Joseph's not really mentioned. If Joseph's still alive, uh, simply saying this, the Bible does not say, doesn't tell us. It does make it clear that Mary is around. Uh, again, I think the Bible focuses more on Jesus uh, as Jesus gets older from age 12 uh, to his ministry. He's very silent, very quiet. Uh, there have been a lot of things. If Jesus uh, was a man, as the Bible described, he would have been learning his father's trade. He would have been helped financially supporting the family, uh, all those type of things. Uh you know, if you really study the Proverbs 31 woman, you will see there the family really worked together. Whatever the husband's career was, in this case, Joseph, he was a carpenter. I know some people want to really push hard that he was a masonry. That's not the point for this conversation. The point is this. Joseph had a job. They had a family-type business, and they taught their kids while they worked. The kids were expected to, in their different roles to help dad, to learn the trade so they could make money and, and have children and, and so on. Uh, mothers taught their, their daughters how to cook, wash clothes, whatever. I know some people say, oh, I'm being very narrow-minded. Actually, I'm not. Uh, this is just this way it was in the trend other Proverbs 31 woman. Today we could have that, but the Industrial Revolution really has destroyed uh, the family uh, setting of, of that. 
doesn't mean we still can't have it, because I believe that we could. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, I know a lady uh, who can rebuild engines, okay? Uh, any any guy that she would want to date or marry uh, may not be able to. I know I certainly could not tear down an engine and rebuild it. It doesn't make her less of a, of a godly woman. It doesn't make her less of a Proverbs 31 woman. Does it mean her husband couldn't be running the front office and helping customers or whatever, but they could have their family unit. They could be homeschooling. They could obviously be teaching them about God. And this is the point I'm trying to make. We need to be godly families. We need to be act, do, and talk, and smell godly family. The Bible, again, focuses, I believe, more on Jesus than the family who acted holy entirely through the gospel accounts. It gives us that information how Jesus came into the world. And more importantly, what was the mission of Jesus? Obviously, it is the crucifixion. We don't see Joseph at the foot of the cross. So again, many people just assume that he's dead, he's, he's gone, which is very highly possible. Uh, again, only one is there is Mary and his mother. And Jesus will ask John the Apostle there at the foot of the cross to take care of her. And it, why he asked John that and not one of his brothers? Well, his brothers weren't there. And so he needed somebody who believed in him uh, who knew who he was, uh, that he was the Messiah, and so on. And obviously, I think Mary uh, knew he was going to be the Messiah. She was told that early on, going to save his people from their sins. Did she completely understand that? Uh, maybe not. I, I know as a, as a mother, she probably was just horrified to watch her son die. And you get this idea in John's account at the crucifixion, after Jesus says, take, you know, take care of her, John says he does. He says, I immediately took her into my home. I kind of get this idea that he, he takes her away from the foot of the cross before Jesus actually dies. He doesn't want Mary to see Jesus die. So, again, I think it shows us the culture of the day uh, with the Jewish people and how they were faithful uh, to that culture that God had established with them through the law of Moses, uh, what we call the Old Testament, and they were faithful people to God. And this is the whole point. During Christmas, uh, it is so hard to stop and think about God. We're so uh, involved with culture. How many decorations can we hang up more than the neighbors? Can we outgive gifts, uh, the other family members, and so on? Let us not forget that Jesus was born. Was he born on December 25th? Well, the odds are one out of 365, okay? Pretty small. I understand the history and the culture of, of Christmas and why Christianity chose this day. Perhaps we can talk more about that in a future podcast. But know that the scripture kind of indicates that Jesus probably was born in the springtime, the the shepherds are out in their fields. If you would honestly look at a globe uh, and draw a line from uh, 
Bethlehem and go straight across the uh, Atlantic over uh, to the United States and around the world. You would see like New York City, Washington, D.C. in that line. So they're pretty far north of the equator. Uh, more than likely in the winter, there's not a whole lot of grass growing. So they would have had the animals uh, a lot closer to the house, feeding them hay and whatnot. So if they're in the, out in the fields, that indicates to me there's grass growing and they're out with their sheep. And so I know that's a common question this time of year. Let's remember why Jesus really came. He came for you. He came for me. We're all sinners. We all need his blood, his sacrifice on that cross. We need that resurrection, knowing that we too have hope of eternal life, that we have that in Christ. I certainly hope and pray that during this time of busy, rushing, uh, this is a good time, a happy time for a lot of people. And a lot of people have sad memories. They've lost loved ones at this time of year and so on. And so this is a very emotional time of year. And I pray for all the listeners each and every day. We pray for the the church that is being persecuted around the world and certain countries are more heavily than we are here in the U.S. And so please pray for one another. Visit our webpage if you have not. The prayer list there does change uh, from time to time. It does at least once a week. Uh, we have a country or a nation that we ask everybody to pray for. So the government leaders would be more Christ-like. They would uh, allow God uh, to use them to make uh, Christianity legal, free. People could worship God and the persecution uh, could stop and people, uh, could, the church could grow and so on and so forth. So, and for the missionaries there as well. If you are a missionary and you listen to this podcast or you know of a missionary, please ask them to email us. You can contact us through our webpage. We really want to know a paragraph or so of the church there, how it's being persecuted or whatnot, how we can pray for them. Uh, that would be really nice. We've asked this please several times. We've gotten a few responses, obviously, but... Uh, Please do that. Uh, that would be really nice. That would be a great Christmas gift for us. And uh, if you can support this podcast, we would appreciate that as well. We we certainly always need that as well. Again, next week, I think we're going to kind of continue uh, the Christmas story type idea and uh, probably talk about uh, if every day could be like Christmas. I think that's what we're going to do. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you. May He always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast? Or prayer request. We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may he have the glory.